Well, um, good morning. It is such a delight to be back with all of you. Um, it is so fun to see the chapel full. It's fun to see familiar faces. It's fun to see new faces. Um, it's just such a privilege to be with you all this morning. I know most of you, but for those of you who don't know me, my name is Stephanie Fermenti, and I serve in the chapel department as a chapel associate for discipleship. And I was just calculating, I think I'm finishing my fifth year here at Covenant, which is hard to believe. Um, Anyway, so it's really fun to be with you guys. Um, have any of you ever played hide-and-seek with little kids? Like little, little kids, right? It is so delightful. Our kids are kind of moving past the age where this is true. But if you have ever played hide-and-seek with small children, it's just it's hilarious and lovely. Because what, they do, what do they do when you're like, okay, go hide? And they stand there and they cover their eyes, right? And they're like, if I can't see you, then, you know, you can't see me. Or they'll hide in very obvious places, like under a table that's completely open on all sides. Um, but one of my very favorite things about playing hide-and-seek with little children is that they, about five minutes in, maybe, maybe five minutes in, they come out of their already obvious hiding places, and they're like, here I am! You found me! Right? They cannot stand to stay hidden for very long. Um, they don't like to be concealed. They want to be found, don't they? Isn't it interesting, though, that as we get older, we, that desire to be found starts to change. As we get older, we actually tend to hide and conceal something... Obviously, we learn how to hide in better spots when we're playing hide-and-seek. But I'm actually thinking about the ways that we hide emotionally and spiritually. Something moves us from those three-year-olds who want to be found to those 20-year-olds or those 42-year-olds who want to hide. This tendency to hide, it's as old as Adam and Eve in the garden— but it's also not the way things are supposed to be. We were created to be in perfect fellowship with God and actually with one another too, without shame or embarrassment. We have no need to hide. That was the original idea. But then sin, it came in and it hijacked God's good intentions and actually image bearers have been hiding ever since. We all have those aspects of our personality, those besetting sins, those unkind thoughts, those lingering doubts that we like to keep in the dark. There are probably parts of your story or even deep-seated dreams and desires that you are too afraid to reveal. And many of us hide because we've been hurt before. We've risked vulnerability or exposure or confession, and we have been met with maybe apathy on one side or hostility on the other. No wonder we hide. At the beginning of a new semester, I think this tendency to hide is especially alive and well. We all wake up with a temptation to conceal any place of weakness or maybe even just want to hide or belittle our limitations. All of the insecurities and uncertainties that you feel walking into a new class schedule, everyone else in this room feels as well. All of the deep-seated worries about will you be liked, that's also a shared experience. 
even those places of cynicism and doubt about God, that's not unfamiliar to many of us in this room. And yet, and yet, we are tempted to walk around and masquerade the places that need healing and freedom. We would rather hide than heal. But this morning I want to talk about how Jesus offers us another way. Jesus offers us another way. In the Gospels, we read a story about a man with a withered hand who encounters Jesus. It's a story that's actually recorded in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, so it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But I want to just focus on Luke's account for a few minutes this morning. In Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 6, we read, On another Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he, Jesus, would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. This is a story about hiding, healing, and rest. And ultimately, it is a story about the heart of Jesus. So first, it's a story about hiding. There are three main characters in this really short narrative. The man with the withered hand, the religious leaders of the day, and Jesus. Now, we aren't given a lot of information about the man with the withered hand. He's present in the synagogue on the Sabbath, so we could assume maybe he's of Jewish descent, which means he might know some of the Old Testament stories. But the most important detail for us is that he's described as having a withered hand. Again, there's not a lot of detail here. Was he born that way? Was it a tragic accident? We don't know. What we do know, thanks to Luke's inclination to detail, is that it was his right hand. And this is significant because in those days, the right hand was the hand of agency, of action and purpose. It meant that you could get a job and earn a living. So as a result, this man most likely experienced ridicule and probably even a stigma due to his deformity. And we can guess, we can use our sanctified imaginations to think about how he might have hidden this deformity. Maybe in his cloak or um, under his shirt, in the folds of his garment. He probably got so used to hiding this that it was just habit for him to walk around with his right hand concealed. But here's the thing, he wasn't the only one in the story hiding. When you read the Gospels long enough, you start to see how the scribes and Pharisees were hiding too. They were hiding behind their self-righteousness and their legalism. They were protective of their power and their influence, and they were hiding because they were afraid of losing that power and influence. So they were the ones who were tenaciously upholding the law, their masquerade. In this case, in this story, their fear is rising to the top because Jesus, he's onto them. Did you catch that? The text says that he knew their thoughts. They were exposed. They could no longer hide from Jesus. 
but that did not stop them from trying. So it's a story about hiding, but this is also a story about healing. Notice what happens next. Jesus singles out the man in front of everybody and asks him to stand up. Now, unlike most healings in the Gospels, this man did not ask for Jesus to heal him. He did not approach Jesus. He was trying to slide in and hang out in the synagogue unseen. But Jesus pursues him. He beckons him to come out of hiding. He invites him to this healing exposure. Now imagine, again, sanctified imaginations here, how would this man be feeling? I bet his, his uh, heart was racing, right? He was probably getting a little sweaty and very uncomfortable. But notice, he did what Jesus asked him to do. He stood up in the midst of everyone next to Jesus. And then it got worse, right? Jesus called him, told him, to stretch out his hand. Now, what's amazing about that is that is literally the one thing he could not do. No matter how much he wanted to, this man could not stretch out his hand because it was withered. It was paralyzed. It was lifeless. Jesus calls attention to the thing he is most embarrassed about, It's the most pointed symbol of his weakness. And yet, Jesus is involved, so we know something's going to happen here, right? This weakness proves to be the turning point in this man's life. His greatest shame became a remarkable display of the healing of Jesus. So, he does it. He stretches out his hand and it is restored. His moment of greatest exposure becomes his moment of greatest healing. It's not that way for the scribes and Pharisees. Their self-righteousness, it actually makes them want to run away from this exposure, and it leads them to a hardened heart, right? Did you see at the end of the passage, it says they were mad, they were furious, raging, trying to figure out how to take Jesus down. Do you see the contrast? For us this morning, I think we can learn something from this story of hiding and healing. There is an invitation before us as we walk with Jesus. And the invitation is to come out of hiding, to step into his light, to risk exposure for the sake of healing. And here's the thing, Jesus is not doing anything new in this story. He is the exact imprint and blueprint Um, image of God who has always been about pursuing us and calling us out of darkness and into light, out of slavery and into freedom. This is nothing new. And Jesus, he is singling out this man because he is interested in creating a a new community where weak people are celebrated instead of overlooked, and the least of these become the greatest. I don't know what you're hiding, but I know you're hiding something, because we all are. And the choice before us is either to respond like the Pharisees with self-righteous self-protection, right? Always maybe judging others instead of taking the minute and the courage to look inside our own hearts. Or the other option 
is to join the fellowship of the withered hand and let our weakest places become the very places where God's strength is made perfect. We can either stretch out our withered hands or suffer from a withered heart. Jesus wants access to every nook and cranny of our lives so that he can bring healing and wholeness through the power of his Holy Spirit who indwells us. Jesus wants access to all the places that we want to hide. Are we willing to risk the exposure of stretching out our withered hand in order to receive the freedom and the grace that Jesus offers us? Here's the thing. I, we can't be a disciple of Jesus if we hold him at arm's length. We cannot follow him if we keep things hidden from him. Okay, quick clarification here. Notice that I'm talking about complete vulnerability with Jesus, okay? I'm not telling you to go and spill your deepest secrets and your darkest thoughts and meet your lifelong desires with your brand new best friend or hallmate or over lunch, okay? To give another, listen, to give another human that kind of access requires long seasons of trust and care. It necessitates lots of discernment and wisdom. But I'm going to push in because I think if we're honest, that's what we often do. It is easier for us to expose our hearts to our friends than it is to expose them to Jesus. Let the man with the withered hand be our guide. Because I also said that this is a story about rest. Exposure it sounds terribly stressful, right? No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. But this is where Matthew's account of this story is really helpful. Matthew tells the same story, but it follows a very important conversation about rest. In fact, just a few verses before this story is recounted in Matthew's gospel, Jesus reveals something remarkable about his heart toward us. We know this passage. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is humble and gentle in heart. He offers us rest for our souls and invites us to actually switch our heavy burdens for his light one and his easy yoke. And I believe that one of those heavy burdens that we like to lug around is a fear of weakness, a fear of being fully known and found lacking, a fear of being exposed for who we really are. And yet, right after this invitation to come to Jesus and right after he describes who he is at the core, gentle and lowly, Jesus heals a man hiding a withered hand. And he does so on the Sabbath, a day of rest. There seems to be some connection between rest and exposed weakness. I believe it's because the kind of rest that Jesus offers is a rest that we can actually only experience 
when we embrace the cruciform life, when we stop boasting in our own abilities and start boasting in the weaknesses that we have, which, through the power of the Holy Spirit, are being renewed day by day. I believe true rest for our souls comes when we acknowledge our weaknesses and we let them act as guides to take us straight to Jesus. We were never meant to be in control of our own lives, but it's so easy to behave like we were. Our withered hand moments then are those where we can kind of come to the end of ourselves and are driven to Jesus. And he gives us rest in exchange for our striving. The other option, again, is that of the Pharisees. But self-righteousness kills our ability to rest. It prohibits us from experiencing rest for our souls. And the only way out of self-righteousness is humility. The way of the cross, exposing our hearts to the gracious and refining work of Jesus. Here's what I mean practically. We're all in different places when it comes to our withered hands. All of us, I think, actually maybe have different withered hands that we have to consider. For some of us, I do believe stretching out our withered hands means coming face to face with our sin, confessing it, turning away from it, and turning to Jesus. He is gentle and he is lowly and he is in the business of restoring even those places. For others of us, stretching out our withered hand means maybe learning to accept the personality, the gifts, the abilities, and even the limitations that we have been given without comparing them to everyone else's gifts and abilities and limitations. For some, we might find ourselves prone to the same kind of self-righteousness that the Pharisees have right, quick to self-protect and hide behind all the ways that we are better than everyone else. And others of us actually have physical withered hands, disabilities, or chronic illness that tempt us to hide and feel defeated. Friends, Jesus is in the business of exposing our sin, leading us in the cruciform life, and making his power perfect in the very places where we feel most weak, so that we can experience rest and actually, believe it or not, power. He is in the business of forming a new humanity where the weak are made strong, the least are the greatest, the last will be first, and true life is found through death. And I know this because Jesus himself is the blueprint for this new humanity. He emptied himself of all glory, embraced the weakness of human flesh, and surrendered to death itself. But nothing more powerfully displayed God's power in weakness than the day when Jesus rose victorious over the grave. This is the Jesus that beckons you and beckons me, to come to him, withered hands and all, so that you might be made whole, you might be healed. You do not need to hide. You are deeply known. And by Jesus, you are also unconditionally deeply 
loved. So will you join the fellowship of the withered hand? You'll be in good company. <laughs> will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, earlier we sang a song out of our bondage, out of slavery, out of our fear of the tomb, Jesus, we come. Father, that is my prayer for my brothers and sisters in this room, that we would come to you, knowing that you love us no matter what, that you are in the business of taking our, our sin and giving us freedom from those places, and in the business of showing your power through our weakness. And Lord, we pray that as we begin this semester. In all of these things, Jesus name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.